Welcome to Buffalo Politics Uncensored. I'm your host, Vanessa Glushevsky. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Buffalo Politics Uncensored. Again, I'm your host, Vanessa Glushevsky. And uh, I want to thank you for tuning in. As the name indicates, this podcast is dedicated to discussing at length uh, politics in and around Buffalo. And so I'm super excited to bring this episode to you today. The first episode is a conversation I had with Jeff Kelly, a reporter at the Investigative Post, who has been covering some of the reports that have been coming out recently of the City of Buffalo Comptroller's Office. For those of you that don't know, I was the acting comptroller for the city of Buffalo up until April 16th when I when uh, Barbara Miller-Williams was appointed as the interim comptroller. So we've got a great episode and without further ado, here it is. <clears throat> so I'm Vanessa Glushevsky. And I'm here with Jeff Kelly, who is formerly of the public, right? And now with Investigative Post. Um, we're here at Perks Cafe to talk about the goings-on in the Comptroller's office. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience, and Jeff is going to weigh in on what he's been seeing, reporting on this uh, stuff. Uh, and we'll go into what that stuff is. But do you want to say a little bit? Sure. Um, yeah, so this is Jeff Kelly from Investigative Post, investigativepost.org, uh, and there you can find, uh, I've written three columns actually um, in the last month, uh, a little over a month I guess, since the uh, issuance of the, uh, of the controller's budget response, the response to the mayor's recommended 2019-2020 budget and honestly I wrote one column and thought that'll be it for a while uh, but two quickly followed on the heels of the first because it's just been so astonishing the work coming out of the controller's office uh, in the last month yeah yeah and so I can interrupt and say I talked about my experience before I was the acting comptroller from about mid-January to mid-April. April 16th was when the council made an appointment. Uh, they made, they appointed Barbara Merlo-Williams. She's the interim controller technically right now, but after I got knocked out of the race, she's now expected to be the person who wins in November because uh, there is no other competition. And um, initially she, had, she issued a budget response that seemed pretty reasonable. Yeah, it, it did. It's, it read very much like the budget responses of the previous few years, pointing out um, uh, sort of over-optimistic uh, revenue projections, some projections of, about new revenue streams, untested revenue streams, some of which maybe are implementable and some of which seemed, you know, really pie in the sky, like these things are not, there's no legislation for it yet. That legislation is not going to go be easy. Um, some questions about expenditures uh, under budgeting for overtime, which the city does nearly every year, back into in perpetu- like back into the misty mists of time. Um, 
but more about more about revenues than expenditures. Expenditures tend to be, you know, fairly uh, reasonably uh, budgeted, with some exceptions. But every year, uh, the Brown administration puts out these revenue numbers that are that turn out to be proven unrealistic, which has caused the city to spend down its fund balance, as you know. Uh, to the tune of, I think, $57 million, million over the last two years, $107 million over the past eight, to the point that there is no uh, available fund balance for plugging deficits anymore, right. as I understand it. Yeah, and uh, just to tackle fund balance real quick, because I think it's a kind of a murky concept that people can get lost in the weeds, in, including the council. I mean, like, we, the council and I, we went back and forth on this whole idea of the fund balance at length one meeting so so uh and it actually prompted us to to issue a presentation on the fund balance and to um to to and we followed that up with a recommendation for a fund balance replenishment policy Yes, I saw both those, uh, both the presentation and the proposed fund balance policy as, it, as they were uh, basically received and filed into legislative oblivion uh, in recent weeks. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is the sad part about all this, but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> but we are, yeah, but there is, there is something out there. <laughs> If, if you're ever so inclined, uh, the council will probably never talk about it, but it is out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the fund balance essentially it's about uh, the if you think about basically the net worth of a family, um, you want to have you want to have some cushion there. So you're not going to over mortgage your house. You're not going to deplete you know run up your credit cards and and basically have very little resources to be able to take a hit if there was if you were to ever experience a financial emergency and so when we talk about depleting the fund balance that's what we're talking about right now we're at zero dollars for unassigned fund balance which means everything else is accounted for at this point everything else that's in the fund balance is accounted for so technically we have enough fund balance to cover um, 60 days worth of expenditures which is mandated by the charter but but technically those are also assigned dollars so if we were to use those that money then everything that that was those monies are assigned for are no longer assigned um and so we should say that Technically, some of that money that's assigned is the rainy day fund, which is 30 days of expenditures. But, um, but again, we're getting into dangerous territory here. Uh, and I'll be, I'll, you know, I'll admit, uh, coming into the comptroller's office, I was thinking, you know, I thought Mark, the former comptroller Mark Schroeder, was a little bit heavy-handed with, you know, the skies falling stuff. Uh, I felt like it, I didn't, I was, couldn't really tell whether this was rhetoric because he was, you know, running against the mayor and all this other stuff. But to be honest, I did, when, you know, prior to going into the comptroller's office, I did look at the report that was issued about the revenues, and I agree with a lot of what he said. I mean, the casino revenues 
all of these other gaps, um, those seem to be problematic. And, you know, I'm not the only one who thinks so. The ratings agencies also think so. And Yes, very importantly, the rating agents, agencies think so. And that's what it comes down to in the end, right? Because, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of fiscal crises that could happen. And maybe that is the sky is falling stuff. What is not the sky is falling is is the city's bond rating. That is in, in jeopardy, or could be very easily, if, uh, if the city has to raid fund balance it's not supposed to touch to balance this budget and the current proposed budget, yeah. which seems likely because just recent history shows us that these revenue streams are unlikely to produce what the administration projects for them, and there is no more money left yeah. you know, to, to plug a hole. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that really upset me about this new amended report that was issued, so we should say that an amended report was issued uh, in, I think, your second-to-last report. You talked about how the the current comptroller was now questioning the initial report that was issued, even though I have it on good authority that she did review that report. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I have it on good authority, too, that she read it certainly close enough to suggest changes, at least to the language, if not to the numbers. Uh, but in her amended report, which she is dated May 15th, although it was not filed with the council for a good week and a half later, um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know. She did, in fact, change numbers. She, she changed numbers on projected real estate sales and past real estate sales. Um, she dropped a lot of information, a lot of concerns from the budget. She replaced it with a lot friendlier language, mm -hmm. suggesting that, well, you know, there are a few things to look at, but mostly this is great. Yeah. And uh, it was just an astonishing about face that the motivation for which I don't understand, really, um, unless it was to provoke me to write another column, <laughs> about the stuff, uh, which I didn't think I'd do, but then, you know, I'd heard rumors that she intended that she was angry with the response uh, she'd received from some quarters, perhaps from the mayor's office, regarding the tone and content of the original report, which read very much like one of Mark Schroeder's, perhaps because it was compiled and written by holdover staff from, uh, from Mark Schroeder's office. Uh, which isn't to say it's wrong, it's just, in fact, quite the opposite. Um, and so she, she suggested to several people that she was filing an amended response, but I didn't know why the office would go ahead and do that, why she would have that done, given the fact that the budget seemed to be just rolling inexorably toward approval. Uh, there was no reason to go back and revisit it, and yet she did. Uh, Last, before the last council session, she filed an amended response that had several errors in it, some questionable numbers, and this much rosier projection. One of the errors being that she failed to change the graph. So yes. <laughs> there was a graph showing real estate sales as they were actually received compared to as they were projected for the last about five years, I think. And the graph stayed the same. <laughs> as far as the bar graph that was right. shown, but the numbers were inflated. And as someone who's seen this account, I know that that's not true. 
I mean, we just talked about this. Yeah, yeah. In, fa- in fact, you know, the day that the new issue was reported, if one went and checked Open Book Buffalo, a, uh, which was a, um, an initiative of the former Comptroller, Mark Schroeder, that, where you can access all sorts of data, it's not the easiest thing to sift through, but it's there. If you go there, that system shows numbers supporting the original report, not the revised report. And that data comes directly from the MUNIS system, which is the system uh, used for the accounting, accounting purposes in Buffalo. All the numbers flow through MUNIS and are grabbed for Open Book Buffalo. So one would think that these are a much more accurate reflection of reality than it turns out we're in the second revised report. Where those numbers come from, nobody knows. She says in her introduction to the second revised report that she revised it to, with a new format and to reflect some new information her office received. But she does not say where that information was received from, and she does not actually point to the new information specifically in the report. She just sort of says that and then apparently, you know, cut and pasted numbers over a graph. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like, I mean, and I guess that, that was my frustration. If, you know, I guess my beef with it is if you're going to issue an amended report because you, you're saying that the numbers are wrong, I think that if you're truly going to operate as an independent office, it's incumbent upon you to provide that information, to provide the additional information you received and say why the previous information was wrong. And none of that was done. She just, literally, parts of it were just cut out. And then other parts were modified. And then, like we talked about the graph, there were just different numbers kind of overwritten over parts of the graph. So if this is all kind of hard to understand, please take a look at the report. And I mean, and I just want to say, I really appreciated your annotated (laughs) Yeah, I should say, if you, if you go to investigativepost.org, you can find uh, the second report annotated. So you can just sort of hover over the yellow highlighted parts and, and my attempts to explain what this means and how it's different from the original report are there. Yeah, and I'm extremely grateful that you mentioned the Moody's report <laughs> because, you know... The last line of the report talks, quotes the Moody's report. One line of the Moody's report talking about uh, the Buffalo's projection as a stable outlook uh, because revenues are expected to be stable, etc. But that, I felt, was intellectually disingenuous because it leaves out everything else that was in the report, which talks about the concern of relying on one-time revenues. It talks about the concern of relying on real estate revenues, which by the way, during the call with Moody's, they noted as a concern, they said they do not want to see that in another budget. Uh, and a representative from the city said that she was not going to include it in the budget because they recognized that there is a problem with real estate closing, the timing of real estate closings, which, which when I was there, we also brought up in council chambers so council is aware of this the administration is aware of this everybody is aware of this but yet and still they did it again under i guess some theory that things are going to be different for some reason even though they haven't been different in the past which seems kind of outrageous it seems at least i mean you know it's okay in your everyday life to be optimistic to hope for the best but 
the practice of budgeting, while you know it involves some speculation and some projection, you, you, it is good practice to be like unbelievably pessimistic, right? You know, the the uh, the state this year did include uh, the possibility of receiving casino revenue from the Senecas in their budget, but they also uh, went into great detail about the likelihood that that what happens if that doesn't happen and and understanding that it very likely wouldn't and what their contingency plans were they in, in essence had two different paths you know marked out for themselves which is responsible um, the city doesn't do that there is no contingency if the 17 million dollars for the 2018-2019 budget doesn't appear in the next say month uh, or maybe to be generous three months um, and what happens if the $11 million budget in, in the proposed budget, if it doesn't show up for next year? Well, then, I mean, and we have no plan for replenishing fund balance, no likelihood of doing so, considering that we're relying on a budget with, you know, with over-optimistic revenue projections and pretty tight expenditures, you know. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of... It, it's hard not to feel like this, like you're yelling out the sky is falling, the sky is falling, as you pointed out earlier. But but um, but maybe the sky is falling, or you know, or maybe we should consider the possibility that it might fall and do something about it. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I feel like I went in with some skepticism, like I said, and then I ended up coming away from it feeling like oh this is what was going on yeah. and feeling very frustrated you know well and and I think on that note it's important to point out that you know the the controller is currently under great scrutiny for having produced and 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 released this outrageous revised report outrageous and careless really um, but She's brand new, and the problem isn't. The problem is in the budgeting practices of the Brown administration, and previous mayors have done it too. I mean, obviously, under Tony Masiello, we fell into a tremendous financial crisis, which is why we have a control board now. Um, but, uh, but also with the council for being sort of compliant and, and maybe even lackadaisical when it comes to financial matters. Not all of the council members, but many of them uh, seem to just sort of say yes I guess so if you if that's what you tell me mm -hmm. sure um, it's a it's a problem that not just one office can address but you would think one hopes that the controller's office would at least raise the red flag uh, and the initial the initial budget response did that and then the second one sort of you know took the flag down yeah so <laughs> yeah. yeah and I mean I guess I just I agree with your, I mean, I agree with what you have to say about the council. I, I mean, I feel like it is the, it is the comptroller's duty to, to do this. So I'm very disappointed in what's coming out of the office. But at the same time, the council, the council members shouldn't be let off the hook. Like, this is their job. I mean, and I plan to talk about that in more like when we talk about the council on this pack podcast in another episode, but, <clears throat> um, but it is concerning and so I mean so somebody had brought this up I can't remember what conversation this came out of but 
What do you think about like a, a citizens oversight committee? A citizens oversight committee, well, I think a citizens oversight committee is always a good idea for nearly anything. I, I mean, it can't hurt and it might help. Um, that, that's a possibility. The other possibility, you know, we have this control board for which we pay nearly a million dollars a year. You know, they have a staff, uh, they, have, they have debt to service, um, they have all these things that an authority, you know, authority requires to exist yeah. uh, but they've been pretty docile yeah. uh, in regards to this budgeting stuff they you know each time they review a budget and every time they do a quarterly report they basically look at these numbers that aren't adding up and say this is a matter of concern and you, and you should track it closely you should monitor it closely uh, but the, really they should be monitoring it closely and if they did they would think they would probably have some concerns and, and there, at the last uh, control board meeting there were there was some evidence of that concern there were some questions asked but the report they issued as a result of that meeting was much like the others it said you know just pay attention to these issues um, you, nobody wants a control board to go hard again because the attendant austerity measures end up costing us more in the long run they uh, curtail city services. They make it hard for uh, for city government to pursue its you know priorities and prerogatives. Um, but on the other hand, maybe at least the threat of going hard would uh, would do something to 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 you know compel the city to be a little more realistic in its budgeting. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and. Just to talk a little bit about, so in the original report, one of the graphs that we actually put into our um, fund balance presentation was used. It's a comparison of the ratings agencies, well, the S&P ratings, uh, the S&P rating from the ratings agency versus the fund balance, and, and it looked at about a pretty much like a 30-year period. It goes back to 1991 all the way up to current year. And um, one of the things that's on that graph is it shows that in 1991 about we had a, a fund balance of like negative nine million dollars. Uh, so the so the unassigned fund balance goes negative pretty much once we can't use anything else in the unassigned. So there's a restricted res restricted portion of the assigned fund balance, and once. Uh, once we're down to the restricted portion that absolutely can't be spent because of state law, basically, then we start going negative, unassigned. And when that happened, we had we had an increase of about 30% in taxes in between two years. I think it was like 9% one year, and then we had like 19.3% the following year. So, and we can, I, mean, I can imagine, I wasn't here in the 1990s, but I can imagine it wasn't very good for the city and and then like you mentioned the control board then came into effect I think was that early 2000s yes 2003 yeah and there were a lot of cuts there yes. were a lot of cuts there were hiring freezes and I'm sure again um, the people who felt that the most are probably the city's poor and middle class so you know I don't want to see that happen again but yet and still I mean, as you mentioned, it seems like that's the road we're headed down if, if nothing changes. 
Possibly. I mean, right now, the, as, as I suggested earlier, the control board doesn't seem to have um, the stomach for, for coming out of advisory uh, mode. But, you know, at some, something may trigger them at some point. If, if, in fact, um, if, in fact, the city is compelled to raid the rainy day fund um, for, uh, in order to, to close a budget gap, you know, as soon as this summer or this fall, um, and, and possibly again next year, then that might compel them to do so. Yeah. And... I mean, I guess I'll just say, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be. This is, I'm not trying to be like sour grapes because uh, I mean, I think that's e- it's tempting to write this all off as okay. Well, Vanessa's pissed off because you know she didn't get the comptrollership. So I just kind of want to reiterate because uh, I've said this in the past. There, I understand that there is a place for aggressive maneuvering in the executive's office and to some extent that's to be expected. My husband's in real estate so I get it. Like I understand that perspective and I also understand the fake until you make it perspective to some degree but uh, and, and, I, and I've heard this um, quite a bit this idea of well we need to protect the brand of Buffalo and that this seems to be the way that people think that it that they, they, they do that. This kind of over-optimistic revenue budgeting, the council not really saying much and kind of going along with the plan, expecting that everything's going to shake out when when all of these bets kind of come in in the future. And maybe that, that is going to happen. Uh, certainly Buffalo is seeing a renaissance in its urban area, which is wonderful and exciting. Um, but... I think long term, this is not. This is not. Something has. Something's got to give, right? Long term, um, if we can't turn the ship, or if we end up in a financial crisis and end up having to raise taxes, that's going to be really bad for the city, and then could end up. We could end up reversing course on all the progress that we've made, and that would be heartbreaking. So I don't know if you. Yeah, I mean, what's. There's certainly room for, again, for optimism and and for, um, and for, and and obviously, anytime you create a new revenue stream, it's untested. But the argument is, you know, the counter argument is, don't be, don't in your budget documents, you know, be optimistic about new initiatives, put your all into them, but on your budget sheet, be pessimistic until you can, until. It, it's proven real because otherwise you get yourself into a hole. You can get yourself behind. Um, there's no reason not to be incredibly conservative in your revenue projections, and then be and then find ways to make the expenditure side match. And then if you end up with great more money, great. Then next year you can do more, and or you can build up your fund balance again, which would be great. You know, and one argument for for conservative budgeting is. Uh, you know, as as you know, in addition to everything else, we have, and as a re- result of all this, we operate in a cash flow crisis. The city does, and we would be um, we would be borrowing against future revenue to pay our bills now if it weren't for the fact that the school district is a wash in cash. Yeah. Why? 
because some money came in that they didn't expect. It was more than they expected, and they budgeted low, and so they have a positive cash flow, uh, which we rely upon, the city, that is, to pay our bills month to month. That's an argument right there. That's an illustration of what happens if you're really conservative in your budgeting on the revenue side. Yeah. You end up like the school district with enough money to, to loan your big brother. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, not that the city is asking. They're just doing it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, clearly there might be better uses for that, for that money for the school district rather than, you know, the city kind of well, there are probably budgeted uses for that money for the school district, and at some point they're going to need it and want it. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, um, um, by my understanding, another reason for the surplus in cash is that they had, uh, there was some kind of debt refunding that happened that poured some cash into the coffers for them, and so, which is great. Uh, but, but let's give credit where credit's due. They're also they've also been very, as you pointed out, they've been very conservative with their budgets, and uh, and that conservatism is appreciated by the rating by the ratings agencies because you know again going back to the Moody's call that I was in on while there, you know they talked of they really praised the board of education for. Even though they have a deficit, you know, even though they've had some deficits over the years, they're working to replenish, to get, they have a plan to replenish their fund balance. And they've been sticking to that plan. And that plan, so it's been evident that even though they've had some, some dips in fund balance, these were all planned and that they keep getting smaller and smaller to the point where they expect to, I think, within five years, be at a neutral point. For their fund balance so that they're not hitting it and they, they seem to be doing that well yeah. and uh it, like i said it's well received so i don't think it's a matter of oh well you used your fund balance so you know all hell's gonna break loose but what's their plan and i think that that's what's missing from the city's you know from the perspective of the city is that there doesn't seem to be a clear plan on how to get out of the weeds here no and and and, and let me underline this again that the the fund balance policy, the policy for use of fund balance and um, replenishment of fund balance that the Comptroller's Office created while you were acting Comptroller has just been received and filed by the Common Council, which is to say it's been sort of, it's like looking at a piece of mail and being like, huh, and sticking it in a drawer. You know, that's, and you know, with any luck, the new Comptroller will at some point uh, dust that off or create one of of, of her own imagination um, or with help from uh, from the second floor perhaps from the mayor's office um, maybe the same people who helped her uh, write this revised uh, estimate of the proposed budget uh, but maybe they'll spend a little more time on it and maybe they'll create and 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 send to the council a fund balance policy um, God knows the rating agencies have asked for it they want one, you know, so that there's some understanding of how the city is going to pull itself out of this kind of precarious position. Yeah, and um, just to talk about the, the replenishment policy that was proposed, 
I don't think it was unreasonable. I mean, it basically gave two fiscal years to propose to refund to replenish the fund balance. So it doesn't take away from the power of the executive to plan around that. I mean, this is what you should be, you know, theoretically, this is what you should be doing, right? Is that if you're depleting resources, that you're also coming up with a plan to replenish them. Um, otherwise, we will just have no resources, ultimately. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, one of the things that I... I had done some research on the city of Detroit in preparation for for doing the presentation that we did. And we didn't end up using them as a case study because ultimately there were just too many things that were different from the city of Buffalo. But one of the things that I did see that I think we should caution against is that even though there were problematic things that they reported on every year in their report, uh, they kept saying, oh, well, we expect things to get better. And this kind of, you know, this kind of vague optimism. Well, yes, we expect next year that we're going to get out of this because, you know, X and everything's going to be fine. And guess what? It, it wasn't. And I think that uh, I think that it's a lesson. It's a cautionary tale for us. I think we need to be careful about that. Yeah. And the, and and the immediate danger and like the medium term and the long term danger is that that it, it'll happen without the public knowing about it because uh, if the second revised report is any indication the controller is, does not feel a great compulsion to uh, to call the S on the, on the administration's budgeting numbers uh, quite the opposite this controller's report engaged in whitewashing so yeah yeah I mean I, I think that's pretty I think that's pretty objective <laughs> I, don't even, I, I, don't even, I don't even think anyone could say that's opinion I mean I think that's exactly what it was and uh, and like I said I, I think it's I think it's a matter of great concern and um, if anybody wants to, form, like, if anyone, if anyone wants to start advocating for a citizens' watch or, committee, or perhaps, perhaps one should just embody itself, <laughs> you know, and start issuing regular reports. Uh, you know, the the financials are currently available on Open Book Buffalo, and and uh, and are with some frequency filed with the Common Council. So, I, I, you know, a budget, a, a citizens' budget commission doesn't have to meet in city hall. Well, that's a really great point. And I mean, and to that end, I know uh, I'm planning on going to the finance committee meeting tomorrow morning, along with someone else that uh, formerly worked in the comptroller's office, because we do want to make sure that people know that we're watching. And you better believe that if there's anything that's of concern, I'm going to be talking about it on this podcast. So whether anyone's listening or not. (laughs) I think that should be an interesting finance committee meeting, and I'm going to be there, too. Probably with a camera. (laughs) So, well, is there any any closing words you want to... No, I think that's good. I look forward to talking about the uh, capital budget when (laughs) when that comes out. (laughs) All right. Well, as you can see, we we know how to have fun around here. So So, uh, stay tuned, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. It puts the city in grave jeopardy. You can't send big signals. 
the clip you just heard was from the June 4th committee meeting. That was Councilmember Franzek, who was outlining some of the many issues he had with the amended report that was issued by the Comptroller's Office. Just as an update, that report was withdrawn by a representative from her office. And so um, that report is considered null and void. It was received and filed by the council, but it, it was officially withdrawn. And uh, the first report has been adopted. So uh, I will be continuing to monitor the situation closely. And I hope you continue to listen to this podcast because we'll be covering lots of interesting topics as we move forward and uh, we'll be trying to make sure that we stay up to date as much as possible as we move into the primary season so that you have as much information as possible for the races, the primary races coming up. Although for the city of Buffalo, that's not many because a lot of people got kicked off the ballot this, uh, this cycle. So I thank you for listening and I want to say thank you to Jeff Kelly for sitting down with me. I want to say thank you to Jack Cavanaugh who helped in the production of this episode and um, some other episodes that we have coming your way and I look forward to talking with you again.